You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. God wants to dwell with us. Whoever loves me will keep my word and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our dwelling with him. God wants to be with us. This is the drive, this is the drive of God's work through all salvation history. From Adam and Eve in the garden, God looks for Adam. Where are you? Why are you hiding from me? To the climax of Jesus' incarnation, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came and dwelt among us. He tented among us. He tabernacled among us. It's actually all the same Greek word. So we think, wait, we have a tabernacle in our church. And yes, Jesus dwells there with us in the Eucharist at all times. He continues to dwell in tabernacle with us today in the Eucharist. But tabernacle or tent and dwelling is also an important word in the Old Testament. In Exodus, God commands Israel through Moses to build the first tabernacle in the wilderness. He gave detailed instructions for Israel to build this tabernacle. For I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. The whole reason God brought them out of Egypt was that I might dwell with them. I am the Lord their God. And the main way that God dwelt with Israel is in that tabernacle which they built. But in the Old Testament, God dwelt with Israel and he also gave them the law. He gave them commandments and showed them the way to live with him. Why? To free Israel from sin. He wants to free his people from sin and from walking in, the dar- in darkness so that he can be with us. If you listen to my commandments, I will make my abode with you. I will walk among you. That's in Leviticus at the very beginning of the Bible. And God walking with us is fulfilled in Jesus, especially Jesus walking among us. But if we walk contrary to the Lord's commands, we walk contrary to him. We walk against God. And he promises us, if we will not listen to his commandments, he will walk contrary to us in punishment. And Israel's history gives, Israel's history gives great evidence of the punishment that he can give. But what's the big problem in the Old Testament? God wants to be with us, but in order to be with him, we must be like him, truly like him. But all that God gave Israel, the law, the prophets, and divine wisdom, all of it on its own cannot give us life. It cannot bring us to God. Again and again, we find out that we cannot follow him or listen to him on our own. We cannot free ourselves from sin. As if it were a problem for us for just finding the right commandment to follow, finding the right external thing to do. No, the problem of our disobedience to God was within us, within our hearts. But God did not finish his work by just humbling us with that truth, by by showing us that we can't do anything without him. He's gonna save us. He promises Israel and to us 
that he will renew our hearts. He will give us new hearts. This new heart will finally be able to follow him, to be with him. Once again, he not only shows us the big problem of sin, but promises to save us because he wants to be with us. And the good news of the gospel is that he both came to be with us, God sent Jesus Christ to dwell among us, but he also gave us new hearts through the work of his cross that we receive through faith in him and and our baptism. In baptism, our old heart dies on the cross with Jesus. We're given new hearts in our rebirth in that water and in that Holy Spirit. But of course, it's not like we receive this new heart and then go on our merry way doing what we want, not paying attention to the Lord's commandments or his wills. Whoever loves me will keep my word, will keep my commands. And what does Jesus command us? Most fundamentally, his one command, love one another as I have loved you. And how did the Lord love us? He loved us even to death. He loved us through rejection even through the rejection of him. His love is stronger than sin, stronger than death. Our love for one another must be this strong, stronger than death. Forgiving all sin against us because he has forgiven all all of our sins against him. And more, the cross is proof of how much Jesus loves his father, how much he's willing to do his father's will even to death. How will we do this? How can we possibly love like Jesus? There's only one answer. We will come to him and make our dwelling with him. The Lord has come to us and has made his dwelling with us, within our hearts. This is the truth of our new hearts. The Lord is within us. Of course, that doesn't mean that everything's easy, everything's all right automatically. No, there's, there's great work to be done to get that new life, that seed of grace that has been placed in our hearts through baptism, to have it grow and blossom into the perfect and mature love that Christ gives us. But he is already with us. We still have to work to pay attention to him, to trust him and to follow him. But there's a real power already given to us to do that, to follow him, to learn from him. And the Lord's not merely dwelling with us in our hearts as individuals, like the Lord's with you over there and the Lord's with me over here. We don't really share anything in common. No, the Lord's actually dwelling with us in many ways. He's in our hearts, in our souls. He's in the Eucharist, as I already mentioned. And also when he ascended into heaven, He kept his body. He's in heaven, dwelling in heaven. But he's not just in heaven way over there. And he's not just in the tabernacle over there. He's close to us. And finally, the church is his body. We are his body together as a people of faith following him and keeping his word. And that's not merely a nice image to make us feel good about coming together as a people, no, there's been a real transformation in our hearts to participate in his work for the world. And we see this at the Council of Jerusalem in our first reading. The leadership of the church 
Peter and the apostles come together and are guided by the Holy Spirit to settle a real controversy that was happening in the young church. They settled this through debate, actually debating each other and witnessing to the work that the Holy Spirit has been doing through them. But they're so united with God that they say as a church, it is, this, it is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us. There's that real cooperation in the work. They give their decision that contains some lasting moral commands, but also some temporary to the situation. But the point is that God is so dwelling in us as a church that her leaders are participating in the authority of Christ and can give us commands, which if we do not follow, we show that we do not love Christ since we do not keep his words. The commands given by the church are the commands of his body. There is no rival authority. They are from him. He's dwelling with us in the church. And if you think that's too far, right here what our final dwelling in heaven looks like in the new Jerusalem, that the ultimate dwelling with the Lord. All the splendor of gems, right? The buildings are full of gems and the streets are paved with gold. There's also huge walls that protect the city. And on the foundation of these walls are inscribed the names of the apostles. That's a pretty big deal to have your name on the foundation of the wall of heaven, right? If we're not with the apostles, we're outside of that city. And where are the apostles today? They're in our church, in her leadership. So the 12 are certainly unique, but their ministry of protecting the faith, of being the walls of the city, the new city, Jerusalem, that continues today in the church, in her leadership. And we must be obedient to the Lord by being obedient to his words and commands which are given to us today through the church. So even though the new Jerusalem is not fully here yet, right, we're not in heaven just yet, not fully. Remember, it's not that God is way over there and we're over here. He's with us, he's dwelling with us and he's working in and through us. Christ's ministry continues through the church. But the work that we do here as a church, it's not a rival to Jesus and his work on the cross. In fact, our work must be and look like his cross. We're united to him and are participating in his work. Now, for the sake of the world, for the sake of sinners. We're building up and serving that church, his body. And the leadership of the church must serve that mission. But we all build up the body of Christ. All with that new heart that he gave us. It's his own heart. But I want to leave you with one last meditation to really challenge you to live these truths that I've put forward today. Imagine with me that new Jerusalem, the huge walls and gates. And we walk in, and we're walking on the streets made of gold, and the buildings are full of gems and uh, shining everywhere. And we round the corner on the gold street, and we see your house. And your house doesn't have gems yet, because we're not fully in heaven yet. But it's, but it's like you look at your house from regularly, like, like uh, on the side of the road. Then ask yourself, 
Does your home fit in here in the new Jerusalem? Not because of decorations or, or earthly riches, not because of actual gems that you have maybe, but does the glory of God shine in your home like so many gems? Does the splendor of Jesus' love for the Father and for the world shine clearly in your home? Is God ever mentioned in your home? Is the name of Jesus said? We've been given new hearts. Put them to work in spreading the splendor of God's love in your home and spreading out to the whole world. In that example of love, that the full splendor of that love we see on the cross. And we actually receive that full splendor in the Eucharist at this Mass. So receive that fullness of love. And with your new heart, go and spread the gospel of God's dwelling with us, both now and to come, first and especially in your home. Thank you.